Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. You must listen to the open loops, a theme park for absurd beliefs and systems of integration between the mind and the creative spirit. Open loops. When your mind wants to tune out, so your subconscious, your unconscious, can wake up every night when you go to sleep, that other than conscious mind tunes into a talk show. You're listening to it right now. It's Open Loops with Greg Bornstein. Conversations that bend. Hey, everybody. Greg Bornstein here. Thank you for tuning back in. Wow, what a weekend experience I just had. Oh, man, I'll talk about that in a second. This is Open Loops. I'm your host, Greg Bornstein. I am a chief looper. What does that mean? Well, you might call me a cultural hypnotist. You might call me a curator of experience. I call myself a consciousness disruptor. Because what is an open loop? Well, we'll get to that in a second. You see, my goal on this show is to present you with guests and beliefs that contradict, that challenge the way that you currently are structured to believe. That's right. Let's disrupt your system of thought with radically unique ideas designed to stimulate your unconscious mind so you can step into the highest version of yourself. And of course, the topics on this show, all designed to do that. We're exploring all realms on Open Loops. We're talking the unexplained, the paranormal, the mysterious, the magical, the hypnotic, and, of course, the shamelessly fringe. I suppose that's what this is. It's a late-night talk show for the shamelessly fringe. I live for it. Oh, I just... (laughs) I just heard that. Talk about shamelessly French. That was the first time I ever heard that there was a, there was a little, uh, at the end of the theme music. That was, a, that, that was, that was a little weird. De- definitely fringe. Anyways, as I was saying, what is an open loop? It is a unconscious provocation, the cliffhanger, the thing that makes you just want to know more, the proverbial dot, dot, dot. I'm here to open your loops. I had my loops open big time. I am recovering from it. Forgery Unmasked. This event put on by Omar Fazy of Watchers Talk. 
I was an MC at it. Three days of nonstop information that just, it's still, uh, I had the swallow there. Whew, it's still hitting me. And it's hitting my heart. I never thought the the ancient uh, the the thoughts of ancient alien builders would open up my heartstrings. Maybe it was because it was such a high vibration group of people. That's the best way to put it. Very much people that are and and I talked about this with my guest today, uh, Jess Rogie of the Rogie Report on Fringe FM Radio. These people are such giving. People in this community, I've never met a group of people that when you're interested in their topics, they want to share so openly. They care so much about you as a person. Now look, there's some oddballs out there, of course. And <laughs> this convention had its controversial moments, I'll tell you that. When the recordings of Forgery Unmasked are available with all the talks, everything from uh, Michael Cremo of Forbidden Archaeology to uh, Dr. Sam who was talking about the healing properties of the Bosnian pyramids, all the way to Neil Gore talking about the connection between the Greek gods and the Hindu gods and how all of the stories are archetypal in the same. There is some stuff here that just can't be denied. And it made me realize how much more of a collective as a as a human species we are. Is as hokey as that might sound, the information that came in at such a high volume is now affecting me and, and making me think back and making me want to re-listen to the talks and even our sponsor, Paul Anthony Wallace, who wrote the book Scars of Eden. Whew. Check out that guy's work. That guy was a uh, in the clergy and now is completely saying, well, look at the Bible and look at the anomalies and tell me that this isn't extraterrestrial. Uh, but not just in an ancient aliens kind of way. I mean, he's really... He's talked to people. He's breaking down the stories. He's translating the text. Oh, there, there was just so much. I am so honored. I want to thank Omar and Watcher's Talk for letting me MC at Forgery Unmasked. It was such an amazing experience. I'm going to have more people that were there on the show. It's going to be amazing. I, I just, ah, it was beautiful. Anyway... Today's guest is someone that I now consider a friend. She's awesome. Jess Rogie of The Rogie Report on Fringe FM. She's a journalist who, like me, will admit she has a day job, but she's so invested, so passionate about sharing topics of the paranormal, of the supernatural, of the unidentified flying object variant I, I had to have her on I love learning about the people behind sharing the fringe topics interest me just as much as the topics themselves and Jess is very honest with me we have a fascinating discussion about the nature of disclosure what's happening right now with the mainstream media but also 
we get into talk about Elon Musk. Yes. And I think her views on Elon might be the most important part of this episode. Jess Rogie, I hope to have on again. I hope to collaborate with her. I hope to uh, just keep getting her insight about this space just because she's talked to so many interesting people from, you know, the person that is uh, probably broadcasting in a cabin somewhere because they're afraid of the mind control all the way through, hey, a Harvard professor. Yeah, she's not just, you know, your your next-door neighbor starting a podcast like I was at the beginning of the pandemic. She's been in it for a while. She's fantastic. Jess Rogie comes to Open Loops. And of course, if you like this podcast, please make sure to follow it on Apple Podcasts and rate the show, leave a review. Open Loops can get out there more, and we can keep bringing on fabulous guests like Jess coming up now. Today on Open Loops, Jess Rogie of The Rogie Report, exploring our sci-fi reality, which you can hear on The Fringe FM radio station. Jess, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Greg. I've been looking forward to this. Yes. What is, uh, you know, we're both in this this game of alternative podcasting, I suppose. Yes. Uh, did, you, did you see yourself doing this growing up at all? Let me tell you my story. So I yeah. grew up with a love of radio as, as a young child. Like um, when I was a kid, I would my dad had an old cassette tape player and I would create a little sound booth using um, couch cushions to record my little radio show. So that started young. And then I, when I um, was in college, I decided to study broadcast journalism. So I thought I was going to go into, you know, mainstream news and everything. And then um, it kind of shifted and I got introduced to paranormal talk radio and I fell in love. Yeah. So that's 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 my uh, short and quick about how I kind of ended up here. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that it's so? Uh, it, it feels that maybe maybe it's because of the internet. Uh, yes. it, it really blew up. I mean, between the Fringe FM uh, yes. and those other competitors, I don't even know. Are they? Can you say the names of the other stations? <laughs> I would, but I, I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah, I don't know if I could say, but people know who the competing paranormal talk stations are. I think. Yeah, the idea that there's a station as opposed to just coast to coast AM weekly yes. every night for every week uh, is 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 that relatively new? I mean, you've been in the broadcast journalism game for a while. How yeah, recent uh, is this evolution of opening up fringe talk radio? I think, I mean, because I can go back, you know, a few years and, you know, I, I remember, you know, first being a coast to coast uh, listener and then starting to branch out through the different hosts there and then learning about, you know, other stations. Because, uh, for example, like the Fringe FM, I believe it was started in 2016 or 2017. So about then, that's also when I was jumping into the whole game myself. So I think there was like this big, I don't know, with the Internet, perhaps people just started 
coming together and being able to talk about these paranormal topics. It is so popular. I have to tell you the amount of times, you know, I'm swiping on Tinder and I see a woman that has the alien emoji in her profile. I'm going, okay. No oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh, it's hidden. It's hidden the market <laughs> that, that people are putting themselves out there these days. Uh, alien believers. It used to just be astrology, but once you meet someone that goes alien, it gets a little more interesting. I don't know. I, <laughs> I think that's the best way to say it is interesting. Yeah. Do you, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure uh, who your, your personal circle is. Do you hang around people that are very much, yeah, Mercury's in retrograde, Jess, or are you the, the oddball out? What What is your, what is your life like? My, it is, I do live and breathe radio right now. And, um, you know, a lot of my, my circle is, you know, is ufologist, you know, I do have friends that are psychic or deal or, or, you know, or um, do witchcraft as well. And I also have, you know, I have like, I have a wide variety of friends that I've met throughout this whole experience. And I think when you, once you go into the paranormal on the fringe, you just meet so many different people that are into different smaller parts of the, um, of the friend, I guess, different, uh, Wow, it's weird niches within the community. Yeah. So, yes. so I have to, you know, I also work a normal job too. So I have to switch between being a normal person <laughs> that doesn't talk about these things to being like a full out 100% paranormal person. So if for like Mercury retrograde stuff, yes, people do tell me that, but I, I'm not a big astrology person. I find it interesting, but I don't know enough about it. Wait a minute. This normal job thing is now <laughs> intriguing me. What in the world is happening in, in your normal life? You don't have to tell me the job, but I'm curious. Do people know about this? They okay. They do. They know that I do broadcasting. And most of the time um, at the office, I'll say things like, well, I just do the news and I have a show on a radio station. But um, I am the UFO weirdo in the office for those who know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, so wait a minute. It's not a health clinic. Are you, are no. you doing like, are you at Amazon? Be real with me right now. Is this the big reveal of the show that you are working the, the, what the conspiracy people hate a, one of the big top companies, Jeff Bezos house, you're working during the day, but at night you're, you're yes. battling the people in charge. No, I mean, look, is it, I don't know what's happening with you. Um, yeah, like during, I don't know, like I have a pretty normal, regular day job. <laughs> it's nothing too exciting. Um, I do a lot of admin stuff, marketing stuff, so I don't have anything super exciting to share right there. But um, no, it's it's an interesting life. You know, I can tell you, like, for example, let me give you an example of a day this week. Um, I woke up, I got an email from a friend who had a student who um, captured some paranormal footage in their house. So um, so I immediately said, okay, then I'm going to analyze this for you. So I worked on that. And then I, you know, then I start surfing the web and looking for, you know, UFO, UAP stories, anything paranormal. And, um, and then, 
and then I'll sit there and write and produce, you know, I do things like show appearances like this, but it's just, it's a beautiful and fun world, but it's a crazy world to be a part of, if that makes sense. I mean, you know, you, you host a show. No, I do. I do. And, and I also have a normal job and I always wonder ah. about the way to compartmentalize that. And also, uh, does does Jess Rogie want to go full time fringe? Can you do it? Is that something I, you, you? Yeah. What do you oh, think? Oh, if I if I could, I mean, I'm working on it right now because to be honest, a lot of people do know I am on medical leave right now due to a medical condition. So right now. I'm blessed to have 100% of my time to be um, focused on the radio right now and working on fringe topics. So I'm in this fun little place right now where it's like, it sucks because I'm on medical leave, but it's also fun because I can work on these projects. Yes. Hey, I started this podcast when I was <laughs> furloughed. I mean, it's, uh, there was nothing <laughs> to do. I, I was forced. Um, yeah, but that's interesting. Very interesting. So, so the dream is still there. That's what I keep battling against in myself. I'm going, yes, there is something I'm drawn to and I am determined to make a life out of my curiosity and interests. Yes. Yes, 100%. And I think, you know, and it, it, it really takes passion. If you have a lot of passion and drive, you know, I think that that means a lot. You have to, you know, a lot of people start podcasts. I know you've, I don't, how long have you been around? I don't even know. How long have you had your <laughs> June, June of this June, year? Shoot. June 2020. Yeah. Damn. So you, you, you started last year, but now I've, sorry, Greg, I, got so excited i lost my train of thought yeah you were talking about podcasts are you are you talking about burnout from uh, burnout yeah and you know i've been doing this for a few years so you see a lot of people start up start up real strong and uh, they'll get burnt out and um and you see a lot of people come and go so you know i guess my advice to you is if you love this as much as i do just keep going because i have been pounding away at this for a very long time <laughs> i was going to say what do you think is the difference between you and the people that have you've seen just stop I, it's just i think it's just i used to i think i think it comes from um i used to own my own business and having that drive and determination to own your own business and know how to run your own business i think i translated that over to podcasting and um was able to you know just keep going you know keep it and that's that's really the name of the game is to keep going yeah well here's and this is what i'm curious about too and and this can be about uh, the guests that you've had on because i'm curious your thoughts on this as somebody that is in administration and marketing i sometimes see still i see and this is this this is intriguing to me people who are in this game who've been in it for a long time i'm talking ufologists i'm talking astral projector teachers i'm talking people who are even hypnotherapists which is my first love of uh, in all of all this stuff hypnosis uh, i go to their websites and i see stuff that looks i mean the websites look fringe uh because they're still from the 90s very I old, know. i'm so very sorry sometimes you do run across those <laughs> yeah and i yes you could argue i guess that people in all different fields have uh, bad websites even if you're a plumber you might have an old website but in particular there's something special to me about somebody that is in this field that maintains a website and just lets the topic matters do the work and I, I 
and I wonder, uh, you know, do <laughs> are are there some differences you notice between the people in this circuit? That especially the people that come on your show that are yeah. really successful and entrepreneurial when it comes to I'm going to share this message versus, well, they they wrote a book 20 years ago. And if you reached out to them, they have nothing else to do. What do you make of that? Well, like for me, when I'm booking a guest, I try to see, too, I want what we're going to talk about to be relevant, too. So, for example, um, you know, la uh, I think in January, I had uh, Avi Loeb, the um, Harvard uh, astronomer on, and I hit him at the perfect time because he was hitting all the media and his book came out the week that I interviewed him. So it was it's 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 about timing, too. And I think choosing, you know, pe choosing guests that are going to, that are relevant to the zeitgeist right now helps, you know, also helps your show too, because people are looking for current topics and conversely, you know, it's not bad to, to reach out to someone who wrote a book 20 years ago, but you know, you do want to keep things kind of um, fresh, if that makes sense. <laughs> so you're paying attention to the marketing of these guests. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, fringe for if you're a fringe listener out there, if you are a person in the fringe and you want to get on the Rogie report, make sure it looks nice. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm putting also words in your mouth. <laughs> um, okay, so look, let let's crack into this. Uh, this is very uh, that's kind of an interesting framework. Fascinating, Jess. Here's a, also something I'm curious about on your website, theroguereport.com. You mention right. having multiple unexplained experiences, but you don't mention what kind of experiences they are. Do you have you gone into that at all? I rarely go into it. So you're lucky, Greg, because you asked. Um, <laughs> I'm so I, Yeah, I want to know. <laughs> well, I grew up, um, if you, when I was young, I, I had a sensitivity and I still kind of do, and I don't talk about it a lot, but to like energy and spirits, right? And ghosts and stuff. So growing up, I saw a lot of weird stuff. And um, the family that I came from, my, my fam, the family that I came from, my family. Right. <laughs> And my family has always been very open about paranormal topics. So I grew up um, without being say, without my parents saying, no, that's not real. They said, okay, if you saw that, you know, tell me what you saw type of thing, you know. And so, you know, I grew up, I became a teenager, you know, and then I had some more weird experiences, you know. Um, one of the weirdest ones is, uh, and I don't talk about this much either. Um, I had friends who had ditched school. And um, I didn't go, I went to class. And then all of a sudden, I just started freaking out. And I found out, like, I, I felt weird, you know, and then I find out later um, that all of them had been uh, caught by the police. So I don't know if I had some sort of sense about that. But it was it was really weird. So I chalked that up to another weird experience. Yeah. And then as I um, became older, more and you know, went through high school, I started to get into conspiracies more. And uh, as I exited high school, I really started to, from conspiracies, I started to delve into UFO um, information. And um, what would happen is I would start spending my evenings outside sky watching. And uh, several times, you know, I'd see a light here and there, but nothing, but none of my experiences, I'm going to warn you, Greg, none of them are very 
exciting. They're just little subtle things that happened that I've added up together over the years and just said, okay, that's interesting. So um, I guess my biggest UFO or UAP or just an anomalous object sighting was I was in the backyard um, with my sister one night and um, I noticed a strange light blinking and I said, hey, take a look, sis, you know, and we start looking at it and I don't know what possessed me, but I said, hey, light. If you're a UFO, can you, you know, change colors, you know, do green. And um, we look at the light and it looks like it's struggling, but it does blink green. Okay. Man, interesting. So I said, let me ask you this light. I'm just asking. And and who knows if it, it, it worked or not, but I said, can you, is red or blue easier for you? And then boom, red and blue. And then, so I said, well, if you're, you know, if you're actually a UFO, you're not a drone or anything, just, you know, fly across the sky, show me something, you know, show me something to prove that it's not a drone and that I'm communicating that flies right across the sky. So true or false, if, if it was a UFO, I don't know, but I did see some strange anomalous object that changed yeah. colors and seemed to react to me. And I do have a witness. Wow. Wow. That's so interesting. I, I think that the the UAP thing and I do want to ask about the UFO versus UAP and, and did yes. Hillary Hillary Clinton cause this because I just had a guest that went into this whole thing about Hillary being on uh, who is it Jimmy Kimmel show and being like, no, it's it's now UAP. And then she changed the narrative and all that stuff. Um, I, Well, actually, yeah. Do you have any do you buy any credence with calling it UFO versus UAP? What are your thoughts? This is my personal thought, and I've discussed this also with other UFO researchers too, because it's a it, it was a, it's kind of a topic that UA, UFO UAP researchers kind of uh, argue about. And to me, UFOs, UFOs, unidentified flying objects, um, that is to name the object and the unidentified aerial phenomenon talks about the whole umbrella of everything. I feel like. Um, what they are trying to do too is because ufos are so the word ufo has a lot of stigma attached to it you you say ufo and then all of a sudden someone's like oh well you believe in this and that tinfoil hat but i believe with the changing of the terminology to uap as well that does help and assist um, the scientific research and there is government you know research into these topics as well and i think the usage of that term helps for these scientific and these government papers for that's not for us that's more for you know the people in the government the people in the military that are researching this too that's kind of my thought process um for all those you know suit wearing folks that look at this stuff yeah do you think the clinton's uh what do you think the the clinton connection to all this is you know, I honestly wish I could answer that, but I don't know. I really don't know. So you don't think there's a and that's fine, too. I mean, look, you've talked to enough people that makes me think that if you aren't certain about it, that maybe there is less of a Clintonian agenda, which people think 
is just <laughs> something in general in these topics, specifically with realms to the child abuse and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but but that's interesting, huh? So the Clintons haven't come up as much in that field. Uh, Why here- not? Not uh, nothing. I've I haven't really like. I I can't. I'm like trying to go through my brain. I'm like, as I have I read anything where their names come up, and and not not to my knowledge or not to yeah. the area where I'm in on ufology. Do you do you buy into the Eisenhower thing? I know a little bit about the Eisenhower thing, where he um, met with supposed different AT races to um, to basically made a make a trade that they could abduct our people in exchange for technology. Yeah. Yeah. This is the thing. People don't realize that they're different. I And I had no idea about this until very recently. Uh, Dr. Stephen Greer was actually yes. the person that made me watching his documentaries and engaging with his work is really the one that shifted my view on UFOs and UAPs. Um, but I, I, I just didn't realize, Jess, that there were different levels of this. I didn't realize there were people that think they're multidimensional travelers. I didn't know. I know you've had Jared Murphy on your show. Yes. Um, his whole theory about that they're us from the past. Yes, he, just, he believes they're us. Yeah, just tons of different. And then there's ancient aliens, of course. But then there are people that talk about UFOs and UAPs that don't even talk about aliens. I didn't exactly. know that was a thing. <laughs> it's it's I know I feel like I just need to do an episode that like breaks down all this stuff for everybody because UAP UFO research is just such this big umbrella of stuff. And yes, there's and like if you go to UFO, have you been to UFO Twitter before? Uh, it depends. I feel I as an abstract thing, it's not like I've caught I, I follow a lot of people that fall under that umbrella. Let me put it that way. What does that mean yeah. to you, though? Yeah. <laughs> what it be? I, I feel that like UFO Twitter kind of it, it skews very um very scientific and very evidence-based mm. versus um, some, you know, very uap and And when I see, when also, okay, let me take it back a second because I'm starting to like have too many thoughts and they're not coming out fast enough. Because too, the study of UAP seems to be the more recent study too of the, you know, the GoFast, the Nimitz and the Gimbal video. So that too, that connotation of UAP, um, that I think that's a big, um section of ufo twitter but two there is like there's all these people that are also like contactees experiencers you know yes there's people that look at this this like the whole umbrella of the um the phenomenon and try to break it down like that too so i mean it's it's such a huge massive field i don't i think you like other people don't realize until you dive into it how how much it actually is yeah. And and what your story was, what you were speaking to was this idea that you can contact them uh, by either speaking or supposedly telepathically. And, and yes. And if I didn't have that experience on my own, I would not have been able to say, yes, I believe you can. Um, I have a great guest, a great pair of people, great pair of guests. it's a good question Um, i don't know what it is either i don't know what would you say so i have ufo world explorer coming on uh, my show soon and they that's all they do is they do ce5s which are close encounter um the fifth kind which is human initiated contact and um, what's really cool about them is they go all around the world 
and they have this massive camera and it's got a, like a digital, a big DL, D, digital um, single reflex lens. Plus it's got this huge military grade infrared like telescope on it. So they're able to look at different wavelengths of lights while they're doing the human initiated contact to collect data and, uh, and evidence. That is, yeah, I downloaded the app after I watched Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Yes. I, I, I know I haven't actively gone out and done it. I mean, this that thing. That was my next question. <laughs> I haven't done it yet. I, I probably should. Uh, why have you? No, I haven't done like a group one. I almost went to one, but I, I said, you know, I'll wait till after this whole That's thing what is over. that's what I'm waiting to do too. And I want to set up a group in New York City. If you're listening to this right now in New York, that is my plan. We will do it. We will go out to one of the parks and we will contact these uh these entities. Who I mean, what do you think, Jess? You know, you've had tons of people on at this point yes. of all different backgrounds. Lots of lots of people in the field uh, that I, I definitely respect. Is there are you piecing it together more than you are? And if so, who do you think they are now? There's a lot of theories. One of the theories that I've recently been on um Kind of researching is uh, Jacques Vallée's um, book uh, *Passports to Magonia*, where mm -hmm. he brings up the fact that these beings or this intelligence has been here um, as long as we have, and he brings up all these stories. So that, in one one sense, it kind of it does make sense to what he's saying. I don't know if you've read the book, but it it just brings up different like folklore and tales from around the world that line up to you know it's very similar to ufo abductions and ufo experiences so that's one but then also on a deeper level if you think about that too it could also mean they're ultra dimensional interdimensional they could be extraterrestrial um most recently when i spoke to uh, avi loeb he you know he does say that the first interstellar object is Oumuamua. i mean at least to our evidence so if that's our first interstellar object, does that mean their extraterrestrials are the beings? So I guess I can tell you this, Greg, the more you research, the more you don't know. <laughs> that's what I'm afraid of. That's what yes. I and I asked some of the I asked someone this the other day, too, uh, that the, the, that has done tons of interviews with people in the field. And he's going to be participating in this uh, conference that I'm going to be in at the end Ooh. of March. And I said, look, man. These are all the Atlantis people. These are all the ancient aliens people. These are all um, people that are saying that there's stuff here. What makes it still interesting to you after all this time? What else is there to learn? And are you afraid that it's going to tap out, that we are going to just – because I, I guess, Jess, simply – stating yes they've been here the technology's here here's some out of place artifacts here's some proof yeah. seems from the surface to be like okay yeah and 500 people could talk about this in numerous different ways what do you think it is that keeps those topics so interesting to you personally i can tell you this um uh before 2017 when the um the article came out uh black budgets and the pentagon the new york yeah the times new york times one the big before that i was gonna i i was sitting there and i said you know what jess 
if you're going to keep on UFOs, you're going to be sitting here looking at all these old stories, all these old cases. And I said, you know what? I'm tired of looking at old cases. You know, I, I need something more, more, something, something that changes something new. And so I said, you know, I'm going to quit UFOs. And then UAPs happened and uh, all the Nimitz stuff and, you know, all the videos released by ATIP. And that brought me right back in. Interesting. Yeah, I was on my way out. I was like, I'm just going to focus paranormal. I'm tired of UFOs. But that shifted and changed it for me. And I can tell you this, I've been around a little bit, you know, a few years now. So two, I noticed that, you know, newer, newer podcasters and newer, newer bloggers are also, you know, they're, they don't know the old story. So sometimes they, you, I'll, find, I'll see on Twitter, they bring up an old case or an old story. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Like they're rediscovering. So I think as the generations change too, the, you know, it helps yeah. to keep you interested too. And too, like, I know when I was sitting there listening to these shows, um, I worked a job I hated and I would listen to Coast to Coast every day. And I said, you know, one day, I hated my, when I tell you I hated my job, Greg, I cried. I didn't want to be there. I would say, God, I just want to do this. I want to be able to share these stories and tell these topics, you know, and talk about these topics that interest people, that help them, that, you know, open something up within them to, you know, research and look into things more because that's my true drive. It's just to help inspire too. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and I I think that's totally true. It's sometimes the people that are bringing up the topics are just as interesting as the actual topics and everyone's unique relationship to it. Because if you think about it, uh, coast to coast, they are doing a show seven days a week. There's definitely pair. There's definitely crossover between what they cover night to night and yet if you i mean yeah sure some people are less interesting than others but they still have an audience that's engaged and george norrie still keeps at it art bell if he was still alive would still be doing it oh it never yeah. ends it it doesn't that's why i think if that i think it brings it back to if you have that passion it's going to keep going and you, and you won't get tired of it. You know what I mean? And these people that you interview are yes. very passionate about it. I love that too. I love talking to people who are passionate about the topics because it makes me more passionate too. Yeah. Has anybody ever, when you've done an interview, have you ever had someone that really said anything so outrageous yes. that you just couldn't accept it. What's the most outrageous yes. stuff you've heard? And I'm so sorry to this gentleman, and I can't remember his name now, but he reached out to me and he said, you know, Jess, I really, this is in the early days. So he says, I really want to come on your show. You know, I'm, <laughs> I want to talk about demons and ghosts and UFOs. I was like, sweet, this is perfect. So he gets on my show and he starts talking and bless his heart. But he starts talking and he says, you know, I used to use marijuana. And I said, okay. And he said, when I started to use marijuana, I got a demon. And I said, okay. And he said, the demon lives on top of my head. <laughs> okay. So I want, so in order to prove 
to the world that there are demons and energy out there. He says, what we're going to do, he says, and I have an idea, we're going to have a group of people come in and then they can come and they can put their hand over my head and feel the demon. Um, <laughs> and then what happened? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, well, that sounds real interesting. <laughs> I don't know how you follow that. Oh, that would have been great. Who? Okay, find me the contact. Let's get this person on the show. I, oh. I, I, I'm gonna. I can send you an unlisted link to his. <laughs> you really do not have to, but actually, I'm curious about if anybody wants to feel this demon. Yeah, no, because that was his plan, and bless his heart, he wanted to prove that there were demons. But I just said that was the most out there thing I've heard. I think. <laughs> yeah yes yes that is super strange uh do you have any people that uh you've had people that have worked in the government before uh yes. who do you think is the most credible one of, or at least one of the most credible people you've had on the show um e i mean even either the harvard professor <laughs> is that the guy who was talking about that's not the israeli guy is yeah. it, it yeah. that is the one who was talking yeah. about trump I don't know if he was talking. No, wait. The Israeli. Um, no, there was two Israeli guy uh, gentlemen. This is a doctor or Avi Loeb, but the one that was talking about Trump was the head of the Israeli space. Yes, um, their okay. NASA. That yes, was interesting. <laughs> that <laughs> did, was did interesting too. Yeah. What do you think about that guy? Okay, so he talked about what the Galactic Federation, and because again, I've been around a little while. Um, uh, probably, I don't know. I don't even want to say how long ago, but I had a friend who um, was like, um, I don't know, like a psychic development teacher. And she's probably the first person that I had heard of the Galactic Federation from years and years ago. And so when he said that, you know, perked up my ears and I said, well, isn't that more of a spiritual UFO thing versus kind of a regular, like more of a scientific kind of UFO thing? So it was interesting to me that he brought that up. Um, there's a book um, that talks about the Galactic Federation. God, I can't remember the name of it right now. Uh, it'll come I feel like me. these always get confused. I think of the law of one uh, and and chan these channeled alien beings. Yes, this is one of those channeling kind of alien books. I'm just trying to remember the name. Ah. Uh, you're looking do you do the research do the research i've also heard um <laughs> i bet you'll pull it up in three seconds magenta pixie also talks about the white wing collective consciousness of nine i mean these wow. <laughs> what is going on with these beings that's what i don't know i have an interest i mean what's interesting is like back in the 50s and stuff the whatever people would get abducted they say oh we're from mars or we're from venus and now when people are abducted they're like oh we're from um are, <laughs> like like, like jess uh, you can't remember the words arcturian um, like, yeah arcturian and they're they're from far far away so it's interesting to me that that shifts and changes as different generations are also experiencing these uh things or channelings or whatnot like the the info changes after depending years later you know what i mean maybe they're yeah. different beings yeah i mean do you ever what is what is your skepticism quotient when it comes to stuff do you uh do you have any hard okay 
yeah, sure, but this is clearly this person's making this up kind of stuff going on. I do. And I mean, to be honest, I I try I do focus on craft the most. So for me, talk like I, I understand there's probably beings and where they come from, we don't know. Are there grays? Maybe I don't know. As far as aliens go, I do, or uh, or I guess abduction experiences go. Uh, you know, these people are having these experiences, but I have not had an experience. I cannot. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around it. Yeah, if that makes sense. What was it about the Harvard professor that you had on that really uh, made you go, yeah, okay, this is this is legitimate even more than I thought before? You know, the thing that he said that really got to me, not only the first interstellar object, but he said, too, when asked about UFOs, he said, we, if we were to, you know, set up these telescopes and actually record the data and see if we have because right now I'm not aware of if we do have, and I don't, obviously I don't have access to everything, but do, but are, if we do have these crafts coming in interstellarly, do we have any images from satellites, any footage of these things entering our atmosphere or conversely leaving our atmosphere? Hmm. So physically, so then that would lead me to think, well, if they are interstellar from other um, planets and Perhaps it's wormhole travel or some sort of portal travel. Yeah. You know, it's all conjecture because it's hard to say. But that was to me when he said, you know, if we got more scientific uh, data, then we could easily say like, hey, no, this is real. Look, you know, we have footage, but it's not clear. Yeah, what that is the trap, I think. I think that is the thing that will always be something i suppose on the skeptical side uh that's certainly what the the popular scientists the neil degrasse tysons yes. uh would say in the world they'd say yeah it's always grainy even the elon musk on joe rogan's podcast the yeah. other day they're saying yeah it's grainy we never see it up close why is it never that way um and it does now look jazz i can absolutely uh i i, I have a mixed relationship with the logical rebuttals because yes. on the one hand they make sense yeah of course they're not going to show us themselves in this way and also humanity's not ready to fully engage therefore they have to do this kind of like we drop hints mentality sure i buy it but it also makes fully buying into it uh i'm not 100 there as much as i want to be so that said how do you resolve that dilemma I, I, I have a lot of internal struggles, you know, and I, I find myself, you know, and honestly, to be truthful, I've become more skeptic as I've been in this longer. Oh, my gosh. It's, what yeah. are you breaking down the fringe community from the inside out? Is, <laughs> no, no. Is this a covert job? <laughs> It'd be pretty amazing. It's not a covert job. I am not a covert. But no, it just it makes you just want to look at things in more of a skeptical sense. But two, you know, you bring up logic and a lot of these things, these paranormal phenomenon, whether we're talking UFOs, ghosts, uh, um, abductions, different things like that, you can't you can't put logic on um, something that's so paranormal and so out of the ordinary. It's it's hard to measure. That's right. No, you're absolutely right. Experience 
experiential. It's experiential mm-hmm. phenomena a lot of the time for people, and that it doesn't fit inside the, the scientific method. No, no. And I think that's kind of where I'm in this, this place right now where I'm like, okay, I want to bring in, you know, scientific, you know, evidence and talk about that too. But we do have this more, you know, this more magical, more kind of not understood part of these phenomenons too. So it's difficult too to try to, you know, be so scientific and also marry it with those, um, with uh, more paranormal topics as well. Yeah. What do you think when it comes to the craft? Uh, well, actually, what are the details on that interstellar object? I, I don't know the fine details of it. I just know it's a thing. It it came, what was it? Gosh, it's been a long, if only I had my Oumuamua, let me see if I have my Oumuamua notes, but it flew through our galaxy, um, God, how many years ago? In 2017, which is funny, that was October 2017. A few months later, we got the... Um, the LA, uh, uh, the New York Times article. But Oumuamua is interesting because what Avi Loa believes is it could quite possibly be some sort of solar sail. So it's powered, it takes power from the sun and then it's able to shoot out. So it came into our galaxy and the way and, and the, um, the dimensions of it don't match up with like an asteroid or anything. It's very long and very thin and the thi- uh, like not thick. It does not, it did not look like the, um, the artist's interpretation is what he explains. So it's, it's very long, large, very, very thin rectangular. So it stands to possibly be some sort of technology is what he's saying. And, um, and uh, so but the problem is like we didn't get a lot of information not a lot of pictures not a lot of uh we only we had very minimal information about it so what they were able to gather from it was you know the dimensions uh you know the trajectory and then where it shot out to oh my gosh what could this possibly be this thing it's so interesting because one of his theories is um are you familiar with the theory of panspermia no what's that so it's like um you know, the elements of life or whatever come from an asteroid or some sort of interstellar object and, you know, will crash into the planet and, you know, have these bacterias and stuff and life will start. So one of his theories in the book is that um, the, the possibly, you know, it's a possible, it's a theory, you know, that these were, you know, around a dying planet, you know, or it's, I guess it's a possible theory that they had a few of these solar sails around this planet, you know, set up with uh, bacteria. And then when the sun went supernova and exploded, it, you know, shot these different things, all different directions out into the universe to help seed the universe. Interesting. One theory. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it is. It's funny, even the uh, on the book, it says it showed it was not an asteroid. This is on the back jacket, I'm guessing, or the summary. Um, it, it, the Avi Loeb, Harvard's top astronomer, showed it was not an asteroid. It was moving too fast along a straight orbit and left no trail of gas or debris in its wake. There was only one conceivable explanation. The object was a piece of advanced technology created by a distant alien civilization. Now, I know that phrase 
is vague enough, like the word alien, the word yeah. civilization, the word advanced technology, they're vague enough that it could be something. But if if someone is just glancing at that, they're thinking Harvard's gone nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a little it's kind of insane to go. Well, the one explanation is that it's a it's a futuristic device from people from another planet, little gray beings. I mean, that's not quite what he's saying, though, right? No, no. And that the problem is, too. And that's just an Internet clickbaity headline problem. Right. You know, uh, right. Because if you read the book and you read what he actually says, you know, he talks about how, you know, things we can do, you know, to, you know, uh, start to look out into the universe and see if there are other um, other civilizations out there. And, you know, what he's saying is like these are even if they're, you know, from another planet or something, you know, what if they're more they're just like us. They're just humans on, or human like beings on another planet that's also something that i don't think people talk about enough in the in sci-fi they're always looking like us some of them yeah you know i usually i like to use like star wars i'm like look even if it's it's star wars like we got other there's other aliens out there but we all just live together <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh do you think that there's anything going on on mars it makes me wonder because I know Elon, uh, Mr. Musk is so obsessed with, you know, starting a colony out there. Um, yes. But I've seen Total Recall enough to know that the Mars environment is not, um, it's not friendly. Um, I recently read an article um, from a scientist who said it's not a friendly environment. And, you know, we, it would have to, he has to build these things so that it's, they probably have to build them underground for people to be safe. Yeah. So do you think he's he's lying to about the? Do you think he knows what what is your take on his publicly put shutting down UFOs and UAPs? You know, I did, and I remember listening to that a couple of weeks ago, and I said, I have like, I don't know. It's one of my favorite things to do on my news is to poke fun at Elon Musk. He's like my favorite. <laughs> Why is that? Why is that? <laughs> Why? Because, you know, one day it's like I got Neuralink. I put these in pigs, you know, and then a couple of weeks later, it's like these monkeys can play video games telepathically. Look at me go with my Neuralink. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to open a city called Starport or some shit in fucking Texas. Yeah. Do you ever just think he's coming up with stuff? I mean, I, sometimes I believe that Elon Musk is trolling a lot of us. I do. I do do and i'm like you know what elon uh and then <laughs> what most recently i think his uh his wife grimes i think is her name said that she would be happy to like put her consciousness into an ai robot and be a worker on mars for his colony <laughs> oh my gosh this yeah. guy this i guy. <laughs> yeah i mean the rogi report is the whole mission is uh making sci-fi reality uh exploring our sci-fi reality and i think elon is trolling our reality with sci-fi i do too and that's why every time i always say i have a new elon musk story for you guys on my news <laughs> <laughs> yeah this guy is messing with our heads and but i also wonder if 
he does there was some theories for a while that he was in regular contact with the aliens and that was the reason they were doing the rocket launch i don't know i mean what i see of the guy and i'm sorry if you hear this elon but the dude is just about money the dude is just about money he's a, that, he's yes a, he was he's like either the richest man sometimes him and jeff bezos are continuously like popping back and forth but I don't fall for his, I'm a charming, uh, you know, quirky, you know, billionaire. <laughs> Who else don't you fall for in the public media? <laughs> I don't know. He's been my biggest target for the past year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my I'm so gosh. Sorry, Elon. We're going to have to, we're going to, okay. I'm, I'm going to title this episode something about Elon Musk for the oh, public. Musk. It's too funny. I'm so sorry to Elon Musk. I know. <laughs> yes, <Musk>. yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'll try not to put words in your mouth, but I do want to just publicly diss him because why not? Everybody's either praising him or they're just thinking he's interesting. But we see through it. I see. Th Look, the dude is like he's trying to put all these. He's working to get like government contracts to get you know the hyperloop you know, for public transportation, that's a contract, right? Working with NASA, getting his, his rockets with NASA, that's a contract. He's just a big government contractor, guys. Yes, yes, you are so right. Oh my, this is the bombshell reveal of this episode for sure. <laughs> and Elon Musk is not special. He's just no. business. He's a businessman. And you know what, dude was what, if I mean, if you look back, you know, they all hung out together, him, Jeff Bezos. I mean, this is going back, but this is like the PayPal mafia, the tech guys that started that. And then they all went out and started doing other stuff. And if you look into each one of them, they're doing something evil with their money. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What is what do you think is happening with Jeff Bezos in the caves? The underground I, thing I he's doing. Know. He's doing some stuff with the new. He's got a nuclear reactor or something. Is that, is that correct? Is that is that's that crazy? Well, I, I've heard rumors of such things. That's insane to me. There, yeah. No. And I, I mean, <sighs> It's just, it's weird that people are like, oh, you know, Jeff Bezos, I want to follow, I, I'm a business person. I think Jeff Bezos is cool. You know, I see people doing that in like the regular world and you're like, what? Why are you looking up to these people? <laughs> yes, Jeff doing? seems like such a jerk. He does. Like, what it, like, they're, like, we don't even know what they're doing and they don't care about us. Not at all. Not, Not at, at all. all. They would have definitely helped. Amazon would have helped people during this pandemic if they they could have they could have afforded to. They could have done they could have done so much, but they didn't. Yeah, they just got richer exponentially richer but that leads me to wonder about your research with conspiracies because you that yes. was one of your original things you said in high school you got into it uh yes. when you went down that rabbit hole was there anything there that stuck out to you as okay yeah for sure this is actually happening there is a small group of people they're running stuff behind the scenes what came out of that research that you still take with you today that you know is definitely right. true well, I mean, I think being, I think I have to take it back because at first, you know, when I grew up, I guess I want to take it back first because, you know, as a child, I, 
I live in Orange County, so we have the Nixon Library here in Birthplace. So my mm. parents would take me there all the time when family would visit. And the only interesting thing to do as a kid was listen to the the Watergate tapes. So that was like my first conspiracy. You know, I was like the Watergate tapes. And I knew that was true. So yeah. for me to, to see that like things would happen in the government behind the scenes and they don't want us to know, I was like, well, hell yeah, that's true. And then, you know, and then knowing and then growing up and hearing about, um, you know, because back in the day, you know, Kennedy assassination was the huge conspiracy, right? Yeah, the biggest one. The biggest one. And so that, you know, those kinds, I was first very much into governmental conspiracies like that because I said, oh, well, if they can kill a man, if they can do this, if they can do that, then um, that's kind of where my focus went. And um, I think I'm, I, I have no doubts that there's, you know, there's group, there's people that control the world. I mean, we're talking here even just a moment ago about, you know, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, like rich people like that, plus the people behind the scenes, we don't even know who they are. So do you have any idea? Do you buy into the Bilderberg stuff? I a little bit, a little bit, definitely, because, you know, these people and especially these these families that have had so much, it's, you know, it's about money. If they've had a lot of money for a long time, they've had a lot of control for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what it was for you. <laughs> My conspiracy exposure in high school is definitely the 9-11 stuff. Yes. The 9-11, that's really what kicked, actually, like, that's what kicked it off hard after everything was the 9-11. Were you watching Loose Change? You were definitely. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say Loose Change. Yo, <laughs> what is up with Building 7? Truly, why did Building 7 go down? Is there an answer? I don't know the answer. I really don't. Like, you know, they say that it was controlled demolition. They say that, oh, it got heated up from everything. But it's so hard to say. And it's so hard to believe that that's the excuse. That's no... Yes. It does not make sense. It was blocks away and it looked the same as the other two. It doesn't make sense. And when things don't make sense, it just makes you want to dig more. Yeah, I want I want an explanation. And again, I challenge both sides. So if anybody wants to come on this show and say, hey, Greg, do you, you know, hey, Greg, I, I I have a perfectly reasonable explanation for why Building 7 went down. Absolutely, let's do it. Then sure, I'll do it. But um, you know what? So far, it's just a weird anomaly of that day. Why there's no, why is there footage of the Pentagon plane the planes flying into the Pentagon? Yeah. I why is there just nothing? We saw the stuff on the Twin Towers, but we never saw the Pentagon. I don't know if it's if they're truly and look, I perfectly accept, Jess, that maybe there are, there actually weren't any cameras there and no one yeah. could see it. But we've seen the Pentagon on video before. Yes. So why isn't there a public when you see retrospectives of 9-11, you do not see a plane crashing into that building that I have found super strange. It is it is strange. And because, you know, it, it's so old now, it's like there's no other footage for us to go back to. But I remember if I can recall right, maybe you remember, too, but there was maybe a security camera. But what it was is it took an image every few moments. So you see like the Pentagon 
And then the next moment you see kind of an explosion. Right. Right. Yeah. You don't get that. What everybody was sharing every day that yes. uh, right into the right into the building, like a commercial plane flying right in. It's weird that it's just something we don't see all the time. I do not. Hey, look, I've Google searched. Someone find me the video. I I want to be yeah, prove me wrong. It. Find me the send it to to Greg at open dash loops dot com. If you can find a video of a commercial airline plane going into the Pentagon, I want to see it. I just do. I want to I want to be proved wrong. I think that's the thing that I'm always about keeping an open enough mind to say it yes. could be real, but also to say it's not too. Yes. I think that's a big key to being a part of this too, is keeping an open mind. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely, I mean, look, I think that's the danger of the Q people and the, and uh, the, <laughs> and the, do you, have you come across your Q peeps? Oh yeah. I, I have a family member, an extended family member. Oh my gosh. It must be weird because I feel that, Q is a it's a it's a bastardization of fringe it's like a it's a cousin yeah. it is related but it's oh, not man. quite fringe fm it's <laughs> yeah. not what it's so weird because you know as the Q phenomenon started you know because i i've always after loose change that's when i became a huge like forum message board person back when that happened so when i've never stopped i'm still a big forum and uh, message board person because i get a lot of you know ideas and information from there which leads me on other paths but um i remember when q stuff started popping up on some of the forums that i i visited and i frequented and i said at first i looked at it and i said well this seems like some bs whoever who's gonna believe this crap flash forward <laughs> oh everybody believed it <laughs> oh it is insane it's insane but what's interesting about it is there's a roswell mention in there uh there's a project looking glass which is the secret uh time travel technology yes. that the government has so it gets into things that i'm certain some of your guests and people on fringe fm have talked about but the majority of it is just trump love and saving us from the even the child abuse from the liberals yes and i believe reptilians too but i couldn't I can't be quoted on that. But yeah. <laughs> it's like, and to me as an outside observer, because I'm, you know, I'm I'm not into it, but I'm interested, you know, with everything, I like to look at it and see what people are talking about. You know, like I'm not a flat earther, but I'm familiar with what they look at because then I can talk about it later, right? So yeah. with Q, it's interesting because it's like if it is a psyop, like some people say. Or maybe it's just for, it's a just, and then what if it's a huge trolling thing? You know, it did come from a well-known trolling <laughs> website. Too. Yes. But it's like somebody went through and goes, you know what? I like all these conspiracy things. Let me just, or they went to David Icke's website for a really long time and pulled a bunch of his stuff off and said, let's repackage this. And, you know, tell me this, would you, would you respect Elon Musk more if he came out and revealed he was Q? Oh my God, that would be hilarious. <laughs> would that change your entire thought? Would you change your entire thing on him? Would you think this guy, okay, he won me over? 
I don't know if you would win me over, but I would be incredibly shocked and amazed <laughs> if he came out and he goes, I'm Q. <laughs> Oh my gosh, not even that Elon can impress Jess. You can't no. even reveal your cue and nope. Jess will still hate everything you stand for. Well, not quite, but but she'll still crap on everything you stand for, pretty much. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is that is quite an interesting tale. Um <laughs> so what do you think? You know what? Overall, there's a lot coming out. We just had that American Airlines incident, yes. seeing a UFO. Uh, we had another article. We had that that big the Pentagon coming out on Twitter and social media and saying, Hey, we've been looking at UFOs for a while now. Uh what is your thoughts on disclosure? Is it happening soon? Is it already happening? What is this moment in time? This, I think um, I'm, it's it's crazy because I've been talking to a lot of my you know colleagues about you know disclosure lately, and you know a lot of people have it, it's mixed too. And on one hand, some people say you know we've already had disclosure. It's just people want more. You know, um, in the 1960s, we had the Condon Report, right, done by the University of Colorado. And what was it done for? It wasn't done to say, do UFOs exist? It was done to say, are UFOs a threat? So that means that even in the 1960s, we already knew there were UFOs. I mean, even if we go back you know, to the 40s, the thing is, I think there's some sort of, some people need something else. I don't know what else they need. The US military and the Navy has come out and said, yes, we, are, we do know that there's UFOs or UAPs. We do not know what they are. We do not know if they're a threat. We do not know who flies them. So if what, I guess it brings it back to what does disclosure truly mean? Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if it's, I, it's a good question. I feel that perhaps what people want is to actually engage with the beings. They need a being. So I think as, and, and, and as I thought about this too, cause you know, I thought about it a lot and you know, we have the last year, I think maybe last June, we had the uh, creation of the UAP task force to, you know, go over and research the UAPs, um, the, the, if there's a threat um, to you, uh, if there's a threat of UAPs, you know, to us as humans. And so, I mean, even the creation of the UAP task force says they, there, there, there are UAPs. So what else do people need? I mean, other than <laughs> yeah. seeing an alien. And I think seeing at least getting the public on board to that, there are craft out there. They're anomalous craft and we don't know what they are, where they come from exactly. So once I think people are able to accept and understand that, then we can move further into, well, what are these beings? Um, and then also the technology, is this warp drive technology? Are they using portal technology? You know, so that also leads to, well, where are they coming from? And even, um, you know, they've, they, they talk about space time, like Lou Elizondo talks about how they've looked into space time and stuff too with ATIP. So that makes me believe that there's a little, you know, a little more dimensional stuff here that we're dealing with. What do you think overall about uh, Space Force and their purpose in all this? Space Force, because uh, right now... Um, there's a there's a race for space another one you know um 
all, a lot of nations around the world are developing their satellites. Um, France has Space Command, which is their equivalent to Space Force, which they started last year. So this is a worldwide thing that's going on. You know, other countries are starting to basically we're, we're militarizing space now. Um, that and, must mean uh, there's something going up there. Something is something, going on up there. Something going on. And we're looking at and Greg, we're not I mean, this is too from me just reading all these articles from different things that, you know, the timeline for these space things are rather fast. We're talking about like 2026, you know, right now France is work, France is doing uh, military exercises in space with the satellites. And I think we're a part of it too. Space Force is working with Space Command. So what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I really, <laughs> I really wonder. I am. Uh, I, I. I hope we keep finding new stuff. And I know that it's it's great to have people like you that are on the front of it. Uh, for everyone listening, definitely check out theroguereport.com. We'll link to it as well as, of course, the Rogue Report on Fringe FM and. Pretty soon you are you're you're starting like an online news resource about all these things. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Because I do the news, like I said, five days a week for the Fringe FM. And I said, why am I not putting this together on a website for people to look at too? Because I write all this stuff, I pull all this research together and it's just sitting here on my computer. Yeah. Is that going to be also on the roguereport.com where people will see that? Yeah, they'll, it'll link back to the roguereport.com. The rogi. Sorry, yes. I messed it R -O -G -E up. <laughs> the roguereport.com. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, this has been very fun. Jess, I'm glad we made this connection. I, yes, I'm this so happy so you fun. came on. Oh, good, good. And is there anything before we wrap up, if there's anything you could say to Elon Musk right now, uncensored, the most you can say the most oh. profane i mean before we started this interview you said greg can i swear um you can say you don't have to swear but but whatever you want if there was one thing you could tell elon right now i'm telling you elon's gonna listen to this what do you want to say to him number one thing elon just stop fuck, fucking with animals brains yo. That, yo that bothers me like the most Wait, what was the number two thing? Uh, his probably his his greed and. <laughs> oh, sorry, Elon. And the fact that, you know, and I just don't like that he's going out there acting like he's our savior. I'm going to bring everybody to Mars. All right. You, not really, bro. You're going to be bringing rich people to Mars. Yo. Yo, bro. <laughs> she just dropped it on you elon she dropped it that guy can't recover no sorry elon i hope you don't oh now he's gonna unfollow me i'm just kidding <laughs> uh jess rogie thank you so much for coming on the show this has been fun oh thank you so much greg i had a ball and i can't wait to talk to you again sounds great Make sure you listen to Jess Rogie on the Rogie Report on Fringe FM. I want to thank Rodney McGilvery for the theme music. I want to thank Zero Boy for the theme music before the theme music. And I want to thank the royalty-free artist that wrote whatever this is. 
the tulips tear. Jess is so I I I I really enjoyed her. I just loved her energy. She was very fun, very willing to share, and she's doing the real work. Thank you for listening. We'll talk soon.